on a brand new edition of Josh Nason's Punch Out. I continue my look back at the year that was 2023 in the year of pro wrestling with a stop in April. And of course, April, pretty big for two reasons. One was WWE was set to be acquired, merged with Endeavor, and merged with the UFC in a brand new publicly traded company. Yeah, that's right. WD no longer on their own. So we talked all about that. WrestleMania, of course, WrestleMania 39, all types of big stuff there, including a very surprise finish in the main event between Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns. Of course, we had AEW, all types of CM Punk stuff. We talk about all that, including the, some of the rumors beginning of his return being planned for the United Center in Chicago. He also visited WWE friends backstage at an episode of Raw during the day. After the, the buzz began for him to return to AEW, what a decision. We talk about that. And I will note that this was recorded prior to CM Punk making his surprise return at WWE Survivor Series. So if, uh, if you find it strange I didn't mention it all, it's because it hadn't happened yet. Trinity made her debut for Impact Wrestling. We chat about that. Japan, Junk Drawer, Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, all the type of stuff. And joining me this time around is returning guest, Fightful's Kate Elizabeth. So Kate and I talked for about hour 15 or so about all this stuff and more. Really fun show, really busy show, newsworthy show. You're really going to like it. Josh Nason's Pro Wrestling Year in Review Series taking back to April 2023. Let's begin. Well, I was about to say fresh off her appearance last year, but it's a year, so I don't know if you can call it fresh off the appearance. But uh, she's back and part of our uh, year review series, Pro Wrestling Year Review Series, starting in April uh, this year. Uh, Kate from Fightful, Miss Kate Elizabeth, is back. She hosts, of course, a ton of podcasts, the Mark Order podcast, of course, you're on Fightful, doing SmackDown, Ring of Honor, also Sour Graps. Um, you see that Fightful, Fightful Select. Also, you're doing, uh, I think, commentary for Excite Wrestling. Is this a... Tell I me about am. That. Yeah. So uh, I, it's in my hometown, actually, where I grew up. They didn't have wrestling when I was there. But shortly after I left, actually, to go to college and, and live in New York, uh, Excite Wrestling is a, a great upstate New York independent wrestling stronghold. And so once a month, whatever I can, I get back to to the Binghamton, New York area to do commentary um, with a fantastic commentary partner, Mike. And it's a it's a really, really um encouraging and fun group to be around so it's it's been great i didn't ever think it would be something that i would be interested or particularly good at but i'm at least not bad enough at it that they haven't kicked me off the desk so i'll take it (laughs) that's good i i think i've said this on this show before or maybe it's on a different show um that the indies like there's so much stuff we focus on which is the high level wbs AWs, you know so and so forth but i find my love of why i start first started liking wrestling when i was a kid and kind of that that feeling as i get older it rekindles uh going to indie shows and doing we're doing some work for uh our my local indie about an hour away limitless wrestling it just kind of uh helping out and being involved it's uh even at a small level it just kind of keeps that that fire alive when you have you know 400 people or so 
uh, just going crazy for a match between two people who are, you know, maybe a couple of years away from getting called up, but not there yet. Uh, it's a really, it's a really kind of fun, fun feeling. I I assume that's the same feeling with you based on uh, what you're just saying. Yeah. There's like an, an intimacy with like independence. I feel like that, that maybe is missing kind of from the, the TV promotions or whatever, but it, on the most stripped down level, like independent wrestling, there is just like, nothing but kind of a pure love for what's going on there and i i love that to your point everybody that's there is there to watch wrestling um i absolutely adore it. and yeah limitless is a, a fantastic promotion yeah. very happy to to be with excite the locker room's great johnny moose the promoter is is fantastic um and it is fun there's like a nice mix of usually kind of a couple bigger names coming back and some talent that are further ahead and then this is affiliated with the school so um, HC Loke has done a lot of spearheading of that school who's uh, extremely reputable, been Ring of Honor, ECW all over the place. And uh, it's it's really cool to see the spectrum of people who are getting their first reps in all the way up to bigger names that are getting called in. So I absolutely adore getting to to see that whenever I can go up there. Now, I do need to ask one more question before we get into April. Uh, why are you annoying when ordering dinner? I'm, I'm, I'm uh, curious <laughs> about this. Oh, because I'm vegan. So if they don't have a veggie burger, it's like it's a disaster. Uh, So I am. Yeah, I'm plant based this year. Actually, right around April, right around April is when I started some beautiful synergy there, I think. Um, But yeah, so it's a I will be ruining Thanksgiving as we are recording uh, (laughs) (laughs) for for my uh, friends and family. Absolutely. So I can appreciate that because my wife is uh, she has autoimmune uh, issues. So she has she is. Not by choice, but she is grain-free, dairy-free, and gluten-free. Yep. And so when we go out to eat, um, you often look at menus ahead of time and trying to see, she's like, oh, can I add, can I switch this to this and this? And usually she'll lead off the, uh, she'll lead off the ordering. So we're, you know, we're kind of used to it and we've learned she has to say specific things. There's allergies. So to ensure certain mm-hmm. things don't get on there. Cause again, you don't need people are just starting or whatever like that. And and uh, was, yeah, I've had to send back a few things due to, you know, cheese being on that or something like that when she asked. So I'm sure you can relate, I'm sure. For sure. Well, and and for me, it's just I'd be kind to animals and for health reasons and whatever. For her, it's like that could be really detrimental. So that's a uh-huh. whole other ball game. Uh-huh. I just uh, yeah, that's having to manage so that you don't have a reaction is a a a whole other hope that the kitchen handles with care situation versus exactly. what I'm, what I'm in for. So yeah, yeah, yeah that's tough. Well, I can appreciate, <laughs> I can appreciate that. So I don't think you're annoying uh, or in well, dinner at so Yeah. Everyone has rights, right? Everyone has rights. It's exactly. Exactly. So <laughs> April again, we we're just talking about your big month. Let's kick it off with a uh, W because we had uh, one pretty huge news. I say pretty, it's kind of underselling it. This is of course mania month, but right after, Mini concluded, which we'll talk about in a minute, with the official announcement of not just a sale, but a merger. It was announced, I believe, the day after May, I believe on that Monday. Of course, we're all tired waking up and seeing this news. The WWE was set to be acquired by Endeavor and merged with the UFC in a new publicly traded company. We'll find out later there's going to be named TKO. Uh, Vince McMahon said the deal is going to be the best outcome for our shareholders. Uh, he will remain involved in WWE creative at a higher level. I'm sure, you know, so many people were, I remember excited to see that he was staying involved. <laughs> um, WWE, there was uh talk about kind of what could be, uh, let's talk about, you know, the companies could pursue a combined streaming deal. 
uh, Endeavor's president, uh, uh, it was Mark Shapiro or Ari Emanuel. Uh, so WB essentially were going to run the UFC playbook in terms of when they bought the UFC years and years ago. Basically, just the way they were doing it to really maximize the value. So they said they're going to do that there. We've seen some uh, some inclinations or some changes with that in, what, two months or so since uh, the, the deal officially went through. We learned that the uh, the first bid was made back in mid-March. Another company, Liberty Media, with stiff competition as well, I assume, for an outright sale. And Triple H assured the fans that the WWE that you love is going nowhere. So we are uh, only, what, a couple months post-actual the deal going through. But in April, uh, the unthinkable became thinkable, and all of a sudden went away. And then, uh, but here we are, WWE uh, coming a brand new company and a brand new chain, a brand new uh, era. And I think a year from now, there'll certainly be a lot more um, changes and developments and things like that. But I mean, um, I'm not sure how close you were kind of following this story, but I think for anyone, even at a following at a light level, this was pretty big news that uh, what we knew was changing. Definitely. And now as we're like an end of year reflection mode, it's so funny to see how much we've had back and forth with that, particularly the Vince being in creative control aspect of this, right? Like, it sounds like um, I I think most people were maybe unenthused that Vince was working his way back into the picture for moral and ethical reasons, as well as creative reasons. Everybody had a different agenda with that. But I think a lot of people were not so excited about that. I Felt that way about both. I I was not excited about it from a, a thinking about the women that work their perspective that this guy who, um, you know, had admitted to um, being a sex pest essentially was working his way back into the picture. But also I felt like the creative had gone so stale and I liked some of the changes that Triple H had made taking over. So kind of what preceded this huge moment leading up to it in this year um, which I'm sure you'll talk about in more detail in other months, was Vince worming his way back in. And then at this moment, the reason he had allegedly worked his way back in was for the sale. And I think when all of us read that part of the condition of the sale was that Vince was going to be in creative, uh, many of us, I, I think, kind of were rolling our eyes or hoping that that wasn't true. And now we've gotten to where we're at and it feels like Vince maybe is not in creative anymore and that this deal maybe was done under the false pretense of that because it was pretty quick. If that was in April and we're in November and Triple H has been back in control for at least two months at this point, that was a very, very short run that Vince had back yeah. in control. So um, I, looking at the moment of it, it's so funny to see how much the reactions have been um, predicated under something that was maybe under a, a false pretense because um I think a lot of people were concerned about the direction of the creative after that sale went through with the conditions that it went through under only to have those conditions be reversed now. Yeah. Yeah. We're, uh, we'll see how this uh, change, of course, you know, WB or Vince selling a bunch of its stock uh, still owns quite a bit of it, but selling, you know, I wish I had $700 million of stock just to be able to cash out. Yeah. And oh, still have, just you know, a small bit of $700 yeah, million. Dollars. Yeah. 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 Maybe, maybe he's buying some expensive Christmas gifts. I mean, who knows, right? Exactly. Uh, it's all that <laughs> an Island or something like that for someone. But uh, yeah, so this was, uh, we'd have, as we kind of go through these future episodes, obviously be more about this as a, uh, sale gets closer and the merger and, and spoiler alert it does happen in uh in april or sorry in uh, in september uh everything kind of officially went through but uh on the again this followed wrestlemania 39 and wrestlemania 39 i would say 
Uh, obviously, a huge financial success for the company, uh, WB claiming that, but also from uh, ticket sales. Um, ticket obviously, ticket cost has a big thing to do with this. But this was a uh, this was a pretty huge event in uh, Los Angeles Stadium, SoFi Stadium. They were finally able to figure that out after things got shifted around during uh, the pandemic era, and a ton of stuff happened here. Um, and so, I, I guess we'll start with the. You know, the big talking point out of this whole thing was Roman Reigns uh, defeating Cody Rhodes in the main event on night two. This was a a surprise, I think, for a lot of people watching. Um, you know, I, I'm sure some people be like, oh, I expect the whole time. I didn't. I don't. I think a lot of people were very surprised at this. It seemed like a logical kind of end to this part of the, the story, as they keep saying. But uh, Roman Reigns won. I remember just being in disbelief and just be like, really? Like, I, I, I still am, am surprised by this. And of course, it was just the the fallout. So many people talking about this. Paul Heyman uh, saying he believed Cody Rhodes is a bigger star after a loss. Um, we learned that the, the it was always the plan. Uh, Dave, uh, our Dave Meltzer reported that that it was always a plan for Reigns to defeat Cody Rhodes. Steve Austin said he loved the finish. Um, it was a a uh, it was a letdown. Even now, you can still look back at it, and and you know who knows where it leads in the next Mania, but. Uh, I, I just I still think it was a letdown. And it was just a thing of just this great event. Just kind of this, you had the, the Owens and uh, and Zayn win the night before. You had uh, Pat McAfee coming back. You had the the great Rhea Ripley uh, match and her kind of coronation is okay. Now Charlotte, it's her yeah. it's her era, right? And that's a that's a cool thing as well. Um, you know, there's the whole Bad Bunny thing we'll talk about, but it just it was this really like kind of just fun fun event for two nights, and then it was just this finish like what like what like it's kind of it's took that away. Uh, did you feel the same thing or were you kind of like, ah, we'll see. Uh, I was both disappointed and laughing because I had been on the rare dissenter side of, I did not like the build all that much. I felt like it was a little bit too much. My dad, my dad, my dad, story, story, story. Sure. Cody yeah. enters at 30 from rumble. I was not satisfied with the build going into it, but the obvious move was to put the belts on Cody so I was like just laughing at the monkey's paw that that was of like, I didn't like the story going into it, but I still wanted Cody to win. And so I got neither thing. Like it was just such a, a funny kind of juxtaposition of like, no, I don't think this guy has had the story that should have earned it to this place. I guess it it's not that I didn't like the story. I don't think it outweighed anything that they did with Sammy. Like I'm, I'm such a Sammy Zayn fan and that uh, story yeah. was so organic, but Sending the fans home miserable was quite a choice. And also, <laughs> like, I, I think they're probably building to it this year again. It feels that way. But I, I give a shout out to the great Alan Cheapshot on Twitter who said, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. And I just was like, it's that part of it. Mm-hmm. It's that you created this lightning in a bottle moment and didn't capitalize. And I don't think the second time around is going to be nearly as satisfying as if you had just done it that first time around, like, I don't know if this Cody trajectory arc of him kind of earning his way back is going to um, take advantage of that. And the other part of that was there's just such an opportunity to split the titles back up. Uh, We eventually got Seth with this title reign, but um, I feel like the focus was on how much Cody got robbed, but I also am someone who believes that the bloodline story would have been better if Roman had lost one of his titles and he's just going mad trying to keep the other one because it's all that he has left and you have all the bloodline dissension stemming from that rather than going out of your way to try and force it in such a way 
So I feel like the creatives was unsatisfactory on both sides and that Roman with only one title, that being the thing to kick off the descent of the bloodline that we've seen over the past couple months is a, a much more satisfying conclusion to that story. And Roman's not around still. So like he defeated Cody to have what three more title defenses for the entire year or whatever sure. uh, is something that is unsatisfying and, and the match is all ending the same way and those things. So a lot of love to be left on the WrestleMania main event. And to your point, the Rhea and Charlotte match was one of the best WrestleMania matches I've ever seen, man or woman. That match was unbelievable. You had the great tag team arc the night before, to your point. Like, there was so much love in night one that I feel like they pulled off a lot of really great stuff. And then to send the fans home on a paint-by-numbers loss for Cody Rhodes was such a weird a weird call. But yeah, what they did, and here we are. <laughs> That's right. And uh, so other uh, things that happened throughout the weekend, Pat McAfee made his return, defeated The Miz. Um, this also involved uh, Shane McMahon uh, returning for some reason and suffering a torn quad on a leapfrog. Like was literally in the action for what, 15 seconds? I mean, this was like, it was just one of those where it looked like a botch initially. And then it was just like, oh yeah, he's hurt. It was just a it was just, it, it was such a, a, uh, well, best way to say it. It just, it like, he shouldn't have been in there anyway. I think people are kind of over it at this point. And this was kind of like the validation for that's what I think. It's just a validation for so many people are like some of the Shane stuff a long time ago was fun, but this isn't like fun Shane anymore. And he's tearing quads doing jumps like this. Like it's over. It's done. Yes. Injuries are never funny, but this was an objectively funny thing to have happen from the perspective of a, it's how his dad blew out his quads, right? Yes, that's right. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. Come yeah. on. Like the irony of that and be not the injury itself, but what it led to of Snoop Dogg having to call it audible. Yes. Is like one of yes. the funniest things to ever happen in a wrestling ring. So glad Shane McMahon will be okay. Recovering from those quad spots and, and people getting injured is not funny, but Snoop Dogg having to call it in the ring is objectively funny. I'm sorry. That was like unnecessarily entertaining. Um, what a hysterical moment that was to have happen. Uh, but yeah, that was a a very roller coaster of a two minutes of television of here comes Shane McMahon, <laughs> Shane blew out his quads, here comes Snoop Dogg with an elbow um, drop. God bless. <laughs> so glad you brought I I didn't have that in my notes, but you're right, that whole thing. What a uh yeah, what a, what a transfixing two, three-minute stretch that was. Just <laughs> I, I, I'll say you'll never see anything like that again, but who knows? We probably could see something like that like anytime. It's just absolutely crazy. It's wrestling. <laughs> anything can happen. Um, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens winning the tag team titles on night one to cap that night. Of course, we talked about Rhea Ripley uh, winning the SmackDown Women's Championship, still the champions of this day, and, and doing uh, WWE's really, really leaning in heavy to long title reigns. Obviously, with there's Roman, which is a... a, a pale beyond shade beyond but you also have Rhea ripley gunter you know some of these talents who are holding these titles for a long time this was uh, ripley's run i think uh long overdue and i think people are really as far as judgment day they're really just into her as like the one of the top stars not just female stars but like you know that dominant force people love that and i think she's done a great job uh this year uh ksi and Lil Uzi Burt made uh, appearances as well uh bad bunny been another big star, uh, made a surprise uh, appearance, helping Rey Mysterio defeat Dominic. Of course, that would lead into a uh, backlash match, and a backlash we'll talk about next month, which was crazy fun. Uh, we'll talk about Roman Reigns, Shane McMahon, 
And yeah, Mania the 39 being the uh, most successful event in uh, company history. And then we're heading into 40 this year. Yeah, this was uh, overall a memorable show and something I think with WrestleMania, like that's that's what we want. We want fun memories, wacky memories. But uh, I think if they just had Cody win, it would have been uh, an all-timer in creative too. Not just the business end, but also just that feeling like that was just a great overall uh, start to finish. Agreed. Agreed. It was um, especially because that's the note you're sending people home on. But it is interesting that we got the Endeavor news right on the back of it. You wonder if this was always the plan. Sure. sure. Um, but you got to also think that maybe Endeavor played into that a little bit of like, how about we keep things as stable as possible during a sale with the guy that we know is the biggest moneymaker in the company's history, probably. Um, or I guess I guess The Rock probably holds that for the rest of his life, but um, certainly of the the past decade, right? So, um, yeah, it's a it's it was such a obvious conclusion that they betrayed, and to do so to send people home unhappy was a, an odd choice, but yeah, one that we are are still dealing with the ramifications of today. So that's right. As, <laughs> as Triple H said afterward, the story continues. That was his that story. Right. That's how he's that's his way out. All right, let's go through a bunch of other headlines. I'll split these up into a couple different blocks. I'll kick it over to you for thoughts afterward. Uh, so Vince McMahon, as you mentioned, uh, back in charge at WWE Raw and uh, already changing scripts uh, a few weeks in. So that was uh, that was good. To uh, help alleviate some of the tension you're mentioning by having uh, you know Roman Reigns essentially not around defending the title, Triple H just created a new one, the new WWE World Heavyweight title, and that would be uh, competed in a tournament of sorts. AJ Styles returned. It was uh, drafted to SmackDown as part of the uh, WWE draft. I forgot about this completely. Uh, the uh, There was Auschwitz footage shown in a video package. I believe it was... I cannot remember the context, but it was was it Hell in the Cell or something with Gunter? I'm I'm completely forgetting what this was, but they showed basically these these clips. It was from from Auschwitz, and this ended up being like some people picked this up. I think most people probably wouldn't have even noticed it right offhand, but some people did. Big that is that's not cool. And then the Auschwitz Memorial picked it up, called it Shameless. I think it was obviously a, a pretty massive mistake. I cannot remember the video package. Can you? It was a promotional spot for WrestleMania. Um, okay. That debuted, it looks like. I was just looking it up in my own notes because I was like, what was that from? Because uh, I just have a bunch of uh, exclamation points. <laughs> it was so <laughs> insane. But yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it was just a, a promo package for WrestleMania. It was the Dominic Mysterio prison entrance. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Oh, boy. Yeah, that was a uh, quite a. <laughs> Quite a mistake there. Uh, Bad Bunny was put through a table on Raw. This was a following um, WrestleMania, of course, to build the backlash. Speaking of backlash, we got some matches made for that. The Bloodline versus Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, and Matt Riddle. Uh, except for the show, Bad Bunny versus Damian Priest in a street fight was added. Initially, Bad Bunny was just set to be the host. But whoever kind of felt he was maybe getting into action. And not just a tag team match, a one-on-one -on -one street fight. So there's a lot of intrigue. About that, uh, Braun Strowman was back in action after being out a short amount of time with a concussion. Raw after WrestleMania, Cody Rhodes just can't find any friends. Brock Lesnar is supposed to team with him against uh, Roman Reigns and Sola Sokoa, and then Brock Lesnar, nine minute tease of any type of friendship, just took the guy out to the end of the show and beat him and beat him and beat him and beat him and beat him, and beat him for it seemed about 15 minutes. And then we had the beginning, what was be a trilogy series between them. Uh, Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar was official backlash. 
Lesnar, in a rare interview, uh, podcast interview, said uh, he wasn't sure how long he's going to be around WWE. And unfortunately, uh, we learned that Brock Lesnar versus Gunter was not in WWE SummerSlam pans, plans, which was a, a big bummer. I'm hoping by the time that Lesnar does decide to head off into the sunset, we get that match at least once. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, Charlotte Flair reportedly taking some time off from WWE. Drew McIntyre was out for a bit. He had a health issue that began uh, prior to his uh, match at WrestleMania 39. We also learned his contract is in its final year. I believe uh, still uh, still not under, uh, there's still no new deal signed, I believe, at this point. I think some injury time was added on that, so I think it's going to be some time before that gets settled. Uh, Finn Balor revealed that he suffered a calf tear prior to Mania 39. He revealed a nasty head cut suffered in the uh, Hell in the Cell match uh, with him and Edge. A uh, former writer uh, was suing a uh, Vince McMahon and WB and also some other people involved in the company over uh, what they call the offensively racist scripts. Jerry Lawler, of course, recovering from a stroke, appeared via video at the WB Hall of Fame ceremony. Of course, Andy Kaufman, who Lawler is synced with in terms of uh, uh, wrestling, uh, was uh, he, Lawler would love to have been there, but of course, uh, still recovering, but definitely appeared on video. Matt would return to the company on the Raw after WrestleMania. Again, we just talked about that with uh, the lead into Backlash. And then a report came out that Jay White, not expected to sign with WWE, that actually turned out to be 100% accurate. And uh, that stuff stick out. Uh, there was. So as far as Raw After Mania goes, I remember seeing the Brock and Cody storyline getting set up. And it just reiterated my belief that Cody should have at least one title. Because I was like, what a great title program that would be. And what obvious motivation Brock would have. Because... He and Roman went at it 900 times, right? Mm-hmm. And Roman came out on top with their year over year over year over year battle. If Cody was able to beat Roman, it would be such an obvious thing for Brock. But I remember us also getting such a weak uh, justification for that as well with the um, main event slot justification, I think was what they went with. Of You got to be in the main event and I'm the guy that's the main event. Was not enough to sustain a a trilogy, in, in my opinion, but definitely something that stuck out to me. The Jay White thing was interesting to me because there was um, a lot of... there. There's been a lot of back and forth of people signing, and, and you've got a heck of a year to talk about it, in WWE, in AEW, and Jay White was kind of one of the first bigger prospects to come from New Japan that had a choice, and it seemed like... The obvious thing was for him to go to AEW, but that he was leaning towards WWE from the reports that we had gotten. I mean, a lot more fresh names over there to to take on is certainly, I'm sure, a piece of that. He's already fought a lot of the guys in AEW because of New Japan roots. So him not going to WWE was not only symptomatic of anything with the landscape, but Also, there had been this, are we on a hiring freeze? Are we not stuff? A lot of other suspected names were in that that conversation. And then when the merger happened, people were like, we're not in hiring mode. So um, a lot of kind of interesting back and forth, not only with Jay White, but just what the overall landscape was in WWE at that time, as far as hiring goes. Um, Tyrus, I'll just skip over because I can't give any more mental or emotional energy to, (laughs) to that guy, but... Uh, the Logan Paul contract news certainly also stuck out in, in all of that. Uh, he's not for me. I'm team bad bunny as far as my celebrity wrestling preferences go, just because I'm a big fan of the storytelling aspect over the athleticism, which I think is where Logan Paul thrives the most. But 
Uh, that's obviously a, a huge win for WWE. You'd have to be pretty tone deaf not to to think in terms of what that means for publicity and things like that. So um, other than that, just the uh, a lot of injury news, a lot of people coming out of Mania a little bit banged up, but tis the season for that. And then, uh, yeah, we got the, the draft news, which I love the draft and that I feel like they botch it every year, but... <laughs> The the free agent thing not being free agents was very weird of like people can float certain brands and where those guys ended up and how things played out has been kind of a bust. And the brand split being something that is always vague makes the draft a little less enticing. But we've also gotten all of these different creative perspectives is what I always think about of how we went from Triple H back to Vince back to Triple H. Like all of these creative ramifications have switched hands so many times it's it's kind of interesting to see so uh when i think about these moments what that has meant in the bigger context is is so funny with that of um it it, it's just like the flipping the switch back and forth of of who's in control of those moments that those frameworks can mean entirely different things i guess so let's go into that second section, second section. Easy for me to say. Yeah, you mentioned a sure. few of those. Uh, John Cena was announced to be having a role in the Barbie movie, which we would not know until the actual movie came out. Uh, you mentioned Tyrus. He would be nice. He'd be nice to close his WWE chapter with a one-off appearance. I'm sure he'd love that. I don't think that'll happen uh, anytime soon. Chelsea Green was hospitalized with a stomach bug and a distended gallbladder, which sounds pretty terrible. Cena was announced to be producing a WWE recruits docuseries for Roku, which I believe is scrapped at this point. Um, but it was a, a thing in uh, April. Uh, the company filed a motion to dismiss the amended w, uh, MLW lawsuit, and that suit still goes on. Logan Pauly mentioned renewing his contract to WWE going into this. He had said that his uh, his deal was up, but I don't think there was any doubt that uh, he was going to be coming back. Uh, Raquel and Liv Morgan, Raquel Rodriguez, of course. Defeated Trish and Becky, uh, Trish Strash and Becky Lynch for the women's tag team titles on Raw. And Becky dastardly, uh, or sorry, uh, Trish dastardly turned on both Lita, injuring her in the back, and then Becky Lynch right in the middle of the ring. Unbelievable. Uh, Trish Strash beginning a, a heel run. And WWE Peacock's Ric Flair documentary was nominated for a Sports Emmy Award. I still have not seen that one. Ray Mysterio said it was interesting. Mask versus hair match against Dominic Mysterio. I think that is more possible now than in the Vince era because that's a you know classic wrestling wrestling thing. Sure. I can see Vince not being that interested, but Triple H perhaps. Gable Stevenson was returning to amateur wrestling for the U.S. Open tournament, and his uh, I, I, I don't I don't I don't know if this WWE thing is going to happen for him. I, we were <laughs> promised the next Lesnar type, and it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen at this point. Uh, big shock! Uh, WWE renaming the King of the Queen uh, King, King and Queen of the Ring pay per view. Except for Saudi, just sticking with Night of Champions. That definitely feels like a, a Vince call. Uh, Nick Khan said the timing of our Peacock deal coming up, which is for the uh, network streaming service, uh, is interesting to us. So we'll see what that happens. I believe that is up next year. Uh, the company, Infinax, announced an expanded merchandising partnership. They also reached a deal to allow wrestlers back on Twitch with reportedly some more cash for them. Uh, Big E provided an update on his neck surgery. Uh, sorry, neck injury after one year scans and really wasn't anything new. Um, at this point, we still don't know if he's going to come back. Uh, and, and yeah, it was still, it, we're seeing here in November, still have no idea. Um, seems perhaps not, but you know, you want to take these things slow. So 
you never say never. There's so many people we've kind of written off, like they'll never wrestle again for a variety of reasons. And all of a sudden, five, eight, 10 years later, they come back. And uh, most of the times at AEW, you know, of all places, um, <laughs> that always seems to happen. Uh, Trish Stratus uh, revealed she wrestled with a partially torn hamstring at WrestleMania. Ric Flair, what a big shot. Call Vince McMahon his hero. He's a great guy. I don't care what he does. What a what a stunning quote there. Uh, w ordered their employees to return to office full time. Uh, kind of following the suit with the other big companies around the country post-pandemic. Edge, uh, I clearly said here, said he might have another year left at performing at this level. And, of course, now he's in a brand new home and performing quite often and wants to do so for quite some time. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, big change for Madcap Boss. His uh, name got changed just to Madcap. That's it. So, yeah, big shocker there. Minneapolis reportedly a finalist to host Mania 41. As you mentioned, the draft. couple uh <laughs> The funny thing about this, uh, Alba Fire, Isla Dawn, and E Hartwell all called up after they won championships on Stand to Deliver, which we're going to talk about in just a minute. So all the champions uh, in some form or fashion, except for uh, the men uh, heading up to WWE. I know you talked about a few of these a second ago. Anything else there stick out to you? Well, what sticks out to me is I'm a bad guest because I got ahead of where we were at. Oh, in our the, notes. Look, so my the apologies. Guest, the, the guest, <laughs> look, it's Thanksgiving week. The guest gets it. You, you invite guests in. They get to do what they want. Feed up anywhere and all that stuff. So. No, uh, no issues there. I read ahead of what you had recapped. You're so excited. I You're excited. It's I good. was. I was. But I will call out um, the the Trish Stratus and Becky angle was not um, my favorite. But I, I think what ended up coming out of it was incredible. We would in later months see uh, this match get bumped from SummerSlam and Becky Lynch making lemons out of lemonades, which you'll get to talk about in the future. But uh this leading to one of Trisha's best matches ever in that blow off of the feud. Uh, I, I feel like this angle kind of overstated its welcome for how long it had been on television, but I can't argue with the fact that it was a, a good way to give Trisha a bit more proper of a send off and that Becky Lynch just provides value over and over and over again, whether she's working with alumni that are a little bit later in their career and might need some in-ring assistance or these young talent that she's putting over, now in the later months of the year with her NXT run and just people who haven't been on TV in a while. So looking at that, I just think what a testament to what Becky is able to to do and uh, continues to cement her legacy and be just one of the biggest stars in wrestling. This was a really, really productive thing for WWE programming, I think, and what it ended up doing for Zoe Stark in the long run. So good stuff that came out of this, but ended up being a pretty pivotal moment in the women's wrestling landscape for sure. Yeah. Uh, get a prediction out of you five oh. years, five years from right now we're talking is Becky Lynch still in WWE or is she in AEW? Oh gosh. You know, that's a harder one too. Cause it's her husband and a baby are involved. Right. So well, five, so five years from now. So I just, I keep thinking with her that she seems to be, there's some people who you think are just going to be like WWE for life. Like the John Cena's, probably Roman Reigns, those types, right? I guess I guess have this sense, and I don't know what it is that she uh, she might be one that's willing to look outside. Kid gets a little bit older, wants to maybe spend obviously more time. AEW schedule, I assume, we're probably still as flexible. You know, a few years from now, I just wonder if that maybe one down the road where she's just like, I want to try something else, and maybe she gets the the edge kind of feeling of uh, there's only so much I can do here. You know, I don't know, just a just a thought I had that if there's someone that was going to go, I think that maybe someday she might do it just to cross up the bucket list. Assuming AW is still kicking and doing 
making good money and all that stuff in five years, assuming that. I th- I think that's very possible because to your point, I almost even look at Mercedes, right? Who will, I think, get to talk about in this month in a little bit. But that idea of like, I've kind of maxed out what I can do under this umbrella. Let me scratch what I can itch under a different umbrella and hey, probably get paid pretty well for a more flexible schedule. And you also look at things like All In. The international footprint of AEW is something that I don't think is talked about that much because while WWE is pretty handily kicking AEW's butt in the U.S. on a regular basis from a ratings perspective and a business perspective, internationally, AEW leads in a lot of markets. So the idea that she would get to got Becky Lynch in, in Europe and All In, I know it's in, in England, but I, that could be a women's main event of that if becky lynch is over there right sure. so i think for what the needs of an AEW are versus what becky wants to cement as a part of her career i think it's extremely possible that she she ends up in AEW. but i also wouldn't be stunned if she ended up being a, a wwe lifer yeah. um but for for someone who seems to care about what her name means in women's wrestling and pro wrestling i I would not be surprised to see her end up there yeah, at all I, I just have this i have this feeling it could be you never know sure speaking of aw let's flip to aw and also uh, ring of honor this month was pretty much about cm punk as almost every Shocker. month is when it talks about <laughs> uh aw stuff so this month um so we had the essentially we had the news that his return was being planned for the united center in chicago and we really weren't sure kind of how it was going to turn out, but there were some tie-ins to this new show that was being talked about, this planned Saturday show that was not um, not confirmed yet. But some uh, some headlines throughout the month. Uh, Punk and Jericho had a planned meeting, um, so they had uh, there was this talk about them having a discussion. Not really sure how it turned out, but they had the meeting. Uh, Jericho said in a later interview, uh, "AEW is going to thrive and survive with or without CM Punk." And this was the the one that I still. It was pointed out to me in a random conversation uh, with some of our editors. This is still one of the kind of the craziest things that CM Punk went to Raw backstage to hang out with some people after all the stuff was coming out essentially about, you know, this, uh, he's going to head to this new show. He's going to return to AEW. And he just decides to go visit some pals back at Raw and uh, was eventually asked to leave by Paul Levesque via Vince McMahon as the story went. And he's just hanging out at Raw in Chicago. And this is still like, even now saying it, under AEW contract, he's just like, ah, screw it. I'm just going to head over and, and and see some friends. It's just a a weird look. I don't think it made anyone kind of look good out of this whole thing, especially AEW. Uh, so we'll talk about that in a second. He also appeared backstage at uh, Impact's uh, Spring Slugfest tapings in Chicago. You know that to a lesser extent is that to me that's fine, but the Raw one is still like is so crazy given the the history and all that stuff. Uh, again, there was talk about his return playing United Center in Chicago. Uh, Dax Howard in his podcast said that Punk Mrs. Wrestling wants to come back to AEW. There was a, a major debut return expected along with Punk, and we'd get some uh, some returning names there. So yeah, so basically, you know, the, the story was that he was coming back um, as part of this brand split for this new show, which would be uh, coming to us. Uh, we thought at that point, again, AEW Collision was kind of the idea. Um, Dax Harwood also saying that Punk and FTR versus Lee at Wembley Stadium could launch AEW to the next level. And uh, yeah, he is, there's all these different headlines coming out from, you know, who, who knows, like there was talk about him working with Jericho wants to work with the elite, but we kind of knew that his, he was coming back at some point over the summer and to probably head up this new Saturday night show, a lot of rumors, a lot of talk, all this stuff. And of course, then he goes backstage to raw as uh, all this buzz is leading into it. What a, uh, what a month for CM Punk. And we're going to say that a lot during the series. 
Yeah, you're going to have a, I'm sure last year, <laughs> just like this year, right? But uh, I feel like there were a couple things with that that Raw appearance. One, uh, CM Punk loves to troll. He's great at it. I, w- I will never give him uh, a knock on his ability to troll people. It's unprecedented. He's doing it as we speak right now. I'm sure there's some Instagram story of him <laughs> indicating he's showing up as the devil at AEW or right, that he's right. showing up at Survivor Series on his IG right now. Um, I also think if the discussions were, we want you to come back, but the elites don't want to work with you at least yet, as we've been told to this point, um, that might've very much been an optics move of look at me going to make amends with people that I have like either had weird tension with or wronged in the past or companies that I'm not welcome at of. I'm willing to play ball might've been the message that was getting sent. He did also show up at impact to your point, And he was at that new Japan crossover pay-per-view to support Mercedes earlier. So um, he might've been just trying to get his image back on track of that. He's healthy for the business that would last of course about two months or whatever, as you'll talk about (laughs) with someone else down the road. But yeah, that definitely raised a lot of eyebrows at the time, but I thought one, he's trolling or two, he's trying to send a message that I'm willing to play ball. And if the match that everybody wants doesn't happen, it ain't because of me. It's because of the other side of things. Um, But I got into wrestling because of CM Punk. I stayed a fan in wrestling because of CM Punk. So uh, that was a very weird emotional roller coaster for me. I was rooting for Collision to do well. I was rooting for a CM Punk return. If it was my business, I probably wouldn't have brought that guy back. But as a fan of the guy, um, I was rooting for a healthy and copacetic return, which obviously did not end up being the case. <laughs> no, what a uh, yeah, I, I I can't help to think about, and I've brought this up before. You know, if if Tony Khan had got all the parties together, you know, before September two thousand twenty-two, all that happened, kind of where where things could be, would it would there still be problems? Are there any type of reconciliation? I had to think that there. There would be, but you really have to get ahead of it. And and uh I, I I mean, perhaps there wouldn't be, but it wouldn't have ended as bad as it did. And yeah, to your point, I think it, it was it, it's fun having him around, or it was fun having him around in AEW, fun having him around in the company. Interesting, you know, headlines and things like that. And it, it made things it was a different element to it. And it's unfortunate things ended the way they did, that they could not figure out a way to resolve things and make a ton of money and have a ton of interest for a, a huge uh feud year-long feud with all these guys involved um you know we we can wish for these things but sometimes they just don't happen and uh unfortunately it didn't and yeah so at this point he he hadn't even come back to the company yet and uh still causing controversy this comes after march which we'd uh, talked about in the last episode which uh he had the instagram comments about john moxley and the whole rocky three series and thought it was stupid and that whole thing. So yeah. So I mean every month there's things we forget about that happen. But yeah maybe we maybe should have saw this coming maybe. Rocky catching strays and Larry being involved. There's so many third parties here that just don't deserve the the hate that they got. <laughs> uh, let's see. Of course, to talk about the new show, we knew uh, the the idea is going to remain. AW Rampage is going to remain on TNT despite this third show. New show is going to be. We learned some details, some rumors, nothing confirmed. Going to be on Saturdays on TNT and likely named Collision. That'd be split crews, and there was a lot of intrigue going into this uh, this new show. Do you think? Um, you know, as we sit here in November, obviously, you know, there's no punk on the show. Are you still 
into collision as much? Is it a little bit more of a labor for you to watch it? How does it kind of fit in your wrestling diet, so to speak? It's generally still my favorite American wrestling program week over week. Like, Mm. I think they've done a good job of keeping collision feeling different for the most part. I wish it was as strict as it was when Punk was there as far as like clean wins and stuff like that. But um, I do generally feel like every collision we get at least one match. That's like a holy crap. That match was incredible kind of thing. Um, Danielson appearing there when he's been healthy has been great. Uh, The alleviating of the roster that it's done, I think, has been good. Ricky Starks finally has some gold on him. So I think there's a lot of positives on that front. I will say it does feel like when programming expanded hours wise in AEW, the quality has gotten a little bit diminished across the board. I feel like Dynamite, though very recently, has, I feel like, been turned back around. Um, I feel like it struggled to maintain its identity a little bit and that when you go from two hours of programming to five hours of programming plus ROH, things do feel like they got spread thin overall from an AEW perspective. But um, I feel like Collision in, in general features a lot of the talent that speaks to me the most and um, overall is my favorite. I just wish it wasn't on a Saturday. Like that's, <laughs> I know, <laughs> that's I know, the rough yeah. thing. We, we watch so much wrestling doing this during the week that I'm like, man, I don't even have my weekends anymore. If I'm, if I'm colliding as the kids say, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd agree. I like how it has a different feel and a different kind of like, it feels different than dynamite. I, I generally enjoy it. I don't get to watch it a ton live, but whenever I, it, I, I generally enjoy it. I think that's, and I think it's a good thing, you know? Yeah, I, I think so too. I think. Uh, let's go through some of the other headlines from uh, some uh, AEW Ring of Honor happenings. Dax Harwood announced the end of his podcast due to causing more harm than good. These podcasters, Kate, you know what I mean? These podcasters cause oh, all these problems. Causing all this trouble out more there. Those, harm. those nerds talking about this every <laughs> night of the week. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, so Dax uh, Dax left the, left the business, but we'll, uh, we'll see if he ever comes back. Hangman Page clarified his comments on willingness to take advice. That was, of course, the big thing with CM Punk in terms of talking to veterans and all that. So we talked about that. Uh, Penelope Ford and Kip Sabian detailed uh, kind of the, the mental anguish of suffering a miscarriage. So they went, were very honest about that. Uh, Andre Andrade said his uh, contract with AEW expired soon. Of course, uh, that would change because he's still with the company. Uh, Hangman Page AEW reportedly working toward a new contract. Uh, officially, uh, AEW All In was announced for London's Wembley Stadium. Should have put this up a little bit higher. Um, and then uh, AWVP. Confirmed that all out was happening the week after. I think because we talk about all in so much, we talked about it like so much throughout the year. It's kind of like, oh yeah, of course it was announced. But yeah, this is a big sure. thing and a big shock. We thought it was going to be in um, uh, Craven Cottage, which the cons own for their their soccer team, but they said no, we're going to go to Wembley Stadium. And remember, there were so many people that were just thinking like, why? Like, how are you going to fill that building? And they they pretty much did. I mean, that's yeah. a impressive feat more to come on that later but yeah that was a i remember at that time and, and get your thoughts on that like were you kind of like wow wembley stadium were you, were you thinking that same thing yeah i think everybody kind of was i was um i don't know if it's because i i had worked in music a little bit and and sports but the people who are like there's no way they're gonna get more than thirty thousand people i'm like I, I think people miss how much research and planning goes into doing something like announcing a venue of that size like they didn't just decide that that sounds good. <laughs> like there's there's a ton of forecasting and projections and and research and business that's done before you announce something of 
of that size. So um, I was I was floored by it. I thought anything 60,000 or more was a win and they added another 20,000 on top of that. Right. Eventually. So, but I was, I was floored that they announced that venue knowing what the capacity was because it was also the first time they'd really had a UK footprint because so much of this company's operations were during COVID. They weren't touring at all for two years. So um, the fact that they did that on their first time over there truly was an impressive feat and the announcement I thought was just a very very cool thing that they were even attempting to do it never mind the success that carried through from a business perspective yeah uh commander and Nigel McGinnis uh signed new deals or commander had brought their free agent Nigel McGinnis was a big surprise and uh him signing with the company uh AEW announced two new house rules dates for June and that uh, series eventually would go away with the addition of collision uh AEW battle the belts six happened no, no title changes. I believe in the whole history of the show, there's been three total title changes. I think they were all the TNG title, and that one of them was it, it, Sammy of Guevara was involved in too. But this is like years ago. There's just no, right. it, yeah, just it's just an hour of of stuff. Uh, yeah. AW, AW filed to trademark AW Wrestle Dream, a pay per view that would be announced later in the year for October. Dax Harwood confirmed that FTR had resigned with AEW for four years. They won the tag team titles on Dynamite, and they avoided uh, being a. Uh, uh, there was the their AEW career versus the versus the titles, and uh, FTR sticking around for quite some time. Kind of really leading into the rumors and all that. Uh, a four pillars tournament. We know Tony Khan loves his tournaments. It was to set to decide MGF's opponent for AEW double or nothing, and then all three guys in the tournament ended up just <laughs> just uh, end up being in the match anyway. So there you go. We also had uh, Ring of Honor Supercard of Honor that kicked off beginning of the month during WrestleMania weekend. Of course, Nigel McGuinness made a surprise return. On that show, Lucha Brothers won the Ring of Honor tag team titles in the latter match. Dante Martin was injured really badly in that match. Uh, camera happening right there as his foot just turned as he hit the floor, and he uh, still is not back, but hopefully he'll be back soon. And then uh, Katsuyori Shibata winning the uh, pure title at the event. Uh, Tony Khan, again, leading into the um, uh, the all-in announcement, said that and we know he loves his announcement. said, something I've dreamed of for years. And it finally did happen with uh, Wembley Stadium. And Jay Way, we just talked about him. How about that? Signed with AEW and attacked Ricky Starks on an episode of dynamite thoughts about any of that my goodness uh what a loaded month this was and i'm sure you're saying that about every month because i there's so many things that you forget but uh truly an underrated signing or i feel like people maybe now are realizing how great but nigel mcginnis man like what can we say about this guy's ability to do commentary in any context doing it so well him just holding that grudge against that clam digger Brian Danielson will <laughs> know, tell it, no it, yeah. end. Yeah. But what a pickup for for them. I think the commentary desks at AEW are generally pretty strong. I think you're seeing JR kind of enter and exit the picture in more specialty roles, which I think is a really great transitional move for him as yep. he gets a little bit older and and things like that. But um I love that that Nigel signed and obviously Jay White. Not a fan of what they did to him booking-wise this past weekend, but a superstar, I believe, in any company. I think he's just one of the most natural talkers. I think he's one of the best in-ring performers that you can have. So really, really cool to see him get that. And yeah, as they were building the hype, right, to to all in the pre-sale numbers, I don't know if that was this month or not, but like just crazy how much momentum that announcement had behind it and and carried them through to a really great number. Um, but yeah, Nigel, Nigel sticking out was awesome. And also the comeback of Katsuyori Shibata is probably 
one of the quieter things that happened over the past couple of years. I think maybe hardcore fans of New Japan have realized it and people are starting to understand. But I think a lot of people thought he was going to have a cursory return that looked like he would, you know, wrestle some matches and not really take some bumps with everything that he's been through. Um, But here he is, your ROH pure champion, which is pretty wild. And yeah, we're still feeling the effects of that injury to Dante Martin for sure. Uh, that's, that was a brutal, brutal thing to watch happen in real time as I'm someone that covers ROH and is a fan of the brand. Uh, and yeah, uh, I think FDR resigning is the other big piece of that, right? Um, them sticking around is great for tag team wrestling. They're one of, if not the best tag team in the world and them, uh, choosing to stay in AEW is is good for AEW and a loss for everyone else in in my opinion. So, a four-year deal to something really substantive to to lock into and yep. um value valuable everywhere they go. So, good stuff. But the big thing of all of this month is that those darn podcasters, man, really getting <laughs> in the way. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh let's see. We'll wrap up the rest of the, the uh the AEW month. Uh the company hired a uh, former uh, VP of Communications Adam Hopkins. Uh Jonathan Gresham went on uh, one set the record straight about his Tony Khan meeting and his Ring of Honor release. We talked about that and kind of admitted uh he'd handled it the wrong way. But uh, kind of really went into uh, full detail about that. Uh, Sky Blue officially signed with the company. Nick Wayne was set to make his AW debut in the July edition of Dynamite after he officially turned 18. Uh, Tony Schiavone said that uh, he believed that AEW had signed Billy Stark, so it's kind of AEW slash Ring of Honor. Jeff Hardy made his return to the company for the first time since his DUI case, uh, had, had eye surgery during his time off. So yeah, the Hardys are back and you know really haven't made that much of an impact at this point, a lot slower and just um, you know kind of definitely on the on the downswing, but uh, they're still around. Conan explaining why Kenny Omega wasn't available for the uh, Triple Mania show in Monterey, uh, explaining that uh, Omega was still under contract negotiations with AEW. We learned that Omega was still working under his previous contract. He had not signed a new deal as of this point. Uh, Eddie Kingston, then of Ring of Honor, because he said uh, he was done with the, uh, AEW, he was going to Ring of Honor, said he most likely needs hernia surgery, so he was out for quite some time. Uh, Thunder Rosa said she took accountability for some of her issues in the past and apologized to the AEW locker room. She's still not back to action yet as of this point. Wardlow regained the TNT title on uh, episode of Dynamite. Just the back and forth, the TNT title happened a lot in this first part of the year. William Regal explained the reasons beside, behind his AEW departure. Mainly, what he said was time and time spent. That is really the only quote he gave about that. It's very in-depth there. Uh, Tony, <laughs> Con- Tony Khan uh, confirmed that the Owen Hart Cup tournament would uh, be returning, and he revealed some details on how that would work. Uh, Roderick Strong signed with AEW and made his debut on Dynamite. And then uh, the speaking of the Hardys, the, the, lead, the deletion match, so to speak, the firm deletion was set for an episode of AEW Rampage to so bring back that uh, old trope from the past. Thoughts about any of that? Sure. So um, Kenny Omega still working under his previous AEW contract was an interesting one because had Cody not jumped, I feel like you would have been like, oh, it's a no-brainer that Kenny Omega is sticking around. But with Cody having jumped to WWE, I think a lot of people got gut checks on the fact that this is wrestling and anything is possible. Um, a really nice mix here of talent that got signed. You had Sky Blue, Nick Wayne, Billy Starks, a very young crop. It's so funny. I feel like MJF was the young guy that everybody mentioned for a long time. And now 
he's at the old age of 27. And so we have <laughs> kids like uh, Sky Blue and Nick Wayne and Billy Starks and Kyle Fletcher's, I think, 24 years old. Like you have yep. an even younger crop coming up, which is so cool and exciting. I'm the world's biggest Eddie Kingston fan. So him being out of action was there not fun for me. But uh, William Regal going back was a bummer for me. I feel like they sent him out on such a great note with what MJF did with him. I, I thought that was some of the best on-screen work promo-wise that we had gotten in a really long time. But I like William Regal being on screen. I like people being happy doing what they're doing even more so. But uh, I hope we get him back on screen in WWE sooner rather than later. And Roddy Strong coming in. Uh, I... Big, big Roderick Strong fan, was a big fan of him in NXT, big fan of him in ROH. Such an incredible in-ring performer. I don't think anybody thought that we were going to be getting the neck health run that we are getting out of Roderick Strong. (laughs) I don't think many people knew he had this character side to him, including myself. So seeing the way that he's come in and put on some really incredible matches, but leaning into... um, this injury carryover from what he had at NXT, I thought was a, a pretty hysterical way to bring him in. And yeah, the Hardy run has been a little anticlimactic for myself as well. I just, they, they put a lot of punishment on those bodies in the earlier years of their careers. And it's, it's, I feel like it's maybe impacting them now, as far as the in-ring side, but that firm deletion match was like a thing of beauty. I thought that was hysterical <laughs> what they did in that. So when, you can manage how you have expectations around what people can do in the ring. I feel like you can do some really, really great stuff. That firm deletion match, an excellent example of that. What a hoot and a holler that was on, uh, I believe, Rampage. That that was a whole yep. bunch of fun. All <laughs> right, we'll, uh, we'll rip through NXT. Not a ton of stuff going uh, on the month. Carmelo Hayes, Alba Fire, and Isla Dawn, Indy Hartwell, all winning titles at Stand and Deliver. And, of course, uh, three of the four got called up. Carmelo Hayes still... Uh, not called up to the main roster yet. Uh, he challenged Braun Breaker for the next NXT show, which would be Battleground. Uh, Cora Jade returned and attacked the aforementioned Indy Hartwell. Uh, Rip Fowler and Jagger Reed, part of the Dyad, requested their release from the company. That was denied until October. And so they would just still be on TV and, and all that, but uh, denied their release. Uh, Noam Dar returned. He had brought the Heritage Cup trophy with him from NXT UK, and then eventually was back in action. Uh, we had some debuts, or impending debuts, Oba Femi, Danny Palmer, and Tank Ledger all coming to the company, um, up, uh, up uh, elevated from the PC, I guess you could say, and Saul Ruka, a uh, budding young star with a, a viral move at uh, the corner, uh, was uh, sidelined for a year, uh, probably going to be about a year with uh, a torn ACL, so sad for that, uh, sad that happened. Uh, any of that stick out, uh, you remember, during the month? Sure. So uh, as someone that covers the NXT brand, a a few of those points definitely stick out. Uh, Carmelo Hayes and Braun Breaker, kind of the two key talents, the marquee talents that came out of the 2.0 era, which was, I think most people would agree, a a little bit more grim of an era, not because of the talent, um, but really cool to see them facing off and also switching sides. You had Braun Breaker turning heel and Carmelo Hayes turning face, which uh, brought different sides out of both of them. And I think both of them are doing really well with those turns. So they both seem like they're ready for a main roster call up whenever they want to do it. I would even argue that Braun Breaker has overstayed his welcome, certainly in NXT, get that man on the main, but um, yeah. some good stuff that came out of them. Rip Fowler and Jagger Reed, of course, now Zach Gibson and James Drake didn't uh, get their release 
granted, but now I think doing some really, really compelling stuff on the injury kind of uh, on the injury on the Indies, <laughs> back to regular form kind of, of, of what they're doing. I, I feel like they were not maybe the right calls for that Joe Gacy stable, but I'm very happy for what they're doing on the independence. Cause I think they're absolutely crushing it. And Noam Dar, I love this guy so much. He was such a standout on the Indies in England for such a long time. He was so great. And WWE NXT in the UK um, him coming back and bringing the Heritage Cup with him have both been really wonderful moves for the product. He has incredible timing and is an incredible in-ring talent. And the Heritage Cup being a device that offers kind of a different flavor to what they have already in existence has been so great. Having multiple rounds and time limits and something that feels like a, a little bit more prestigious um, has been a really, really refreshing stipulation just to to have in programming. So yep. huge wins when you have no Amdar on your screen and bring the Heritage Cup back for sure. <laughs> uh, let's flip to Impact because we had a big debut. Trinity, the former uh, Naomi in uh, WWE, Trinity Fatu, uh, not Fatu in, in Impact, but uh, made her debut at the TV tapings and soon have a her first match, I believe, is against Kylan King. Might have been her first match, but obviously mm-hmm. he was going to be and has been a uh, remains to be a big player in their female division in the knockouts division, and kind of assumed that maybe it was going to be a short run. But she's been there uh, for quite some time again since uh, since April, and is uh, yeah still doing it in November. And uh, no uh, no uh, slow down there. Steve Macklin winning the world title uh, at um, Impact Rebellion, defeating Kashida, of course, uh, due to injury from. Uh, uh, Josh Alexander tearing his triceps. Deanna Perrazzo regained the knockouts title at Rebellion because Mickey James had to relinquish it uh, due to injury. Kind of a rare situation where both Impact's top two singles champions had to uh, had to drop their titles due to injury. Really random timing there. And Nick Aldis made his return, and it's clear that he wanted to go after the Impact World Title. Uh, the company announced that Tom Hannafan was sticking around. A little bit longer, giving him a new contract. The company announced dates for Slammiversary and Multiverse United Two. With New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, really just frankly shitty situation at uh, WrestleCon. Giselle Shaw uh, getting uh, verbally accosted, yelled at, and uh, just did awful stuff by Rick Steiner. Uh, WrestleCon had issued a statement, and uh, you know it's just still it just uh, a stain on the business that doesn't need to be there with guys just doing this stuff. And it was just a just a real shitty situation. And uh, you know, then seem like Rick is going to be coming back to any uh, events anytime soon. Uh, Tommy Dreamer's uh, taking some time away from Impact Wrestling. We learned later is due to his uh, mother being in bad health and also him dealing with skin cancer. Uh, things appear to be better uh, now. Of course, his mother did pass away, but uh, you know, Tommy is back with the company and uh, doing all right. And then uh, their next big event, uh, Under Siege is taking shape. Steve Macklin versus PCO, world title match, and a uh, last chance uh, knockouts title match was also signed for that show as well. So thoughts about any of that? Yeah, what a what a win for Impact to have Trinity. Like, what a great fit that has been. Thought it might be because Impact has always done a great job with the Knockouts division, leading the way for American women's wrestling television. I feel like she just the best brand, and and what an asset to have there as somebody that's kind of trying to recement their footing. To your point, had only signed a six month contract, I believe, out the gate, but has stuck around. I think it's been a huge win. Impact's kind of that little brand that could, man. I love to see them kind of picking up some steam and and doing super well, having these cross-promotional relationships. And as someone that was at Multiverse 2, I was so glad to see um, what we got out of that. That was was an incredible time and a a lot of fun. Tom Hannafin, 
again, these commentary W's, people underrate them. Commentary is a very important part of wrestling people. So uh, very glad. I, I think he's one of the best to to do it and um, glad that he stuck around that brand because it's a really good fit there. But yeah, it's, it's a testament to their entire roster when two of your biggest can go down with major injuries and you still are able to pull off some, some really great programming. So very cool to see uh, this little brand really starting to, to thrive. I think um, if they could get their distribution on track, it, it would do a little bit better as far as being able to access the product. But the product that they're offering is something that I think has really blossomed this year. And in this month, you're seeing a lot of um, the fruits of their labor pop up with Trinity sticking around. And of course, the Giselle Shaw thing, I just, I hate hate. Um, and Russell Khan even tried to leave room for Rick Steiner to apologize for his actions, and he didn't. So no. uh, stand with Giselle Shaw, stand with anybody uh, not getting bullied for just being who they are. But um, other than that, it's been it's been cool to, I watch and cover ROH, so I don't get to really watch Impact all that much. But mm-hmm. this brand is, has really kind of taken shape, and the Scott Demore era tends to be thriving. So good stuff to see there. I'd agree. Let's uh, run through Japan. So we begin to uh, round the bend. Uh, Sonata being uh, Okada, a surprise win for the IWGP world title at Sakura Genesis. Aussie Open on also won the IWGP tag team titles, and that followed them winning the strong tag team titles at Capital Collision. And the match included the Motor City Machine Guns and Tanahashi and Okada. Uh, Orange Cassie had replaced Eddie Kingston, your favorite, on that show due to uh, his injuries. Clark Connors joined Bullet Club at Capital Collision. And what happens when you sign Bullet Club? You sign a new contract. So he signed a new contract with New Japan, sticking around for quite some time. Uh, the aforementioned Hiroshi Tanahashi was injured uh, due to a rib injury, had to make some changes to the collision card, and then also was missing, uh, had to miss the road to uh, Dontaku dates. So uh, recovering from injury there. Uh, Mercedes Monet, we we're just talking about her versus Mayo Iwatani. Was set for Stardom's All Star Grand Queendom event. She made her uh, surprise Stardom debut as kind of part of the lead up to everything. Uh, it learned she, it was learned that she agreed to a contract extension with uh, essentially Bushi Road with New Japan and Stardom. They officially announced her for New Japan Pro Wrestling's resurgence. She was set for the uh, first ever New Japan Strong Women's Championship tournament, which that would not turn out good for her uh, due to an injury. And then uh, Naomi, uh, Naomi, I, I include this in here because it of course, so linked to uh, Mercedes slash sure. Sasha Banks, uh, was learned that the reason that Naomi was not in New Japan and stardom along with Mercedes was due to pressure to keep spending down. So, um, yeah, she had got her opportunity to impact. Um, you know, there's just the, uh, there was just, I think a lot of people were kind of wondering why they wouldn't sign her was just due to a uh, spending, which was kind of an issue um, throughout New Japan uh, throughout the year. Uh, they revealed dates for the G1 Climax 33 tournament. Jew Japan, All Japan, and Noah announced an all-together-again joint event for June. Kenny Omega was revealed he was going to defend the IWGP U.S. title against a tournament winner. Juice Robinson was removed from collision due to a storyline suspension. They were uh, sticking to their storylines there. You don't see that a lot. Will Ospreay, medically cleared to return to the ring. He said that his uh, revealed his New Japan contract expired in February. And he said at the time, I'm fairly positive me and New Japan will work out a deal. So uh, as we sit, you know, a couple of days past him officially signed with AEW, uh, things were a lot different back in April. And then Kushida and Kevin Knight winning the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team title. So a few things of note there. Yeah, we had uh, Sonata winning the title. We had Mercedes Monet continue to do her thing and establish herself in New Japan. And then, uh, yeah, we had uh, yeah a few different things that month. We'll also be coming back. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's funny. I didn't know if there would be a point in my fandom where I would think New Japan was the best promotion of the year, but to me 2023 
New Japan is the best promotion of the year. Really? Um, okay. Huh. Yeah, I just I feel like AEW's had a very weird year and WWE has had such a volatile year with the switching back and forth. Um, and I feel like a lot of the things that you saw on here has been New Japan going back into star making mode. Clark Connors joining the Bullet Club. What Bullet Club has reinvented themselves at this year, I think, has been great. Um, Aussie Open, obviously now in AEW, but did some really great work over there. Um, I, I feel like you've seen Will Ospreay have the best year of anybody. Um, that him returning from injury was a huge part of this, obviously, of course. Now, in retrospect, him saying that he's going to work something out with New Japan, and maybe he didn't realize he was going to have a career year in his contract year at the time, but here we are. Um, I I feel like Will Ospreay, wrestler of the year to me, um, and I'm glad he's going to be able to work in a company that has a working relationship with New Japan, because that at least he'll get to work some dates for the fans that kind of have fallen in love with him over there. Um, And a lot of other stuff, Kevin Knight having a breakout year. I think TMDK has been my favorite stable of the year. Um, So seeing things like the G1 climax getting announced, like all of those little things uh, are cool to see, but to me speak to the overall picture, of course, of that new Japan has put together the most productive year, definitely since before the pandemic, they got so robbed of some of their talent because they haven't been able to travel internationally and Japan was shut down for so long. But the biggest and obvious one, of course, being Mercedes. Um, If you had told me three years ago that Sasha Banks would not be in WWE, I would have laughed at you. And if you had told me, well, New Japan is going to be trying to really cement women's wrestling as a bigger force, even outside of stardom, I would have laughed you out of the building because uh, who knew we were going to be getting such a, a fruitful brand in New Japan strong and um, that we were going to be able to see like the crossover with New Japan and stardom. So um, I always look at that as a really cool move from Mercedes perspective of she could have done anything. She could have stuck in WWE. She could have walked into AEW. She could have left to do music videos. She could have moved full time into acting. She could have done anything. And for her to choose the thing that is probably the most um, pure wrestling love oriented thing as her next move is so cool to me is so cool to me. Um, As far as the Trinity stuff goes or the Naomi stuff goes, it kind of makes sense because I'm sure Mercedes costs a pretty penny to land. (laughs) So the budgetary reasons coming into play makes a whole lot of sense. Um, But I just think that's such a beautiful love letter to her love of wrestling that she chose this to be her next move because it's probably the biggest thing she could have done for the overall picture of women's wrestling, I would say. Um, and she's a, a woman that had every option in front of her to do whatever the hell she wanted. So mm-hmm. very, very cool that she chose to make that. But I look at this year and I I um, I love what New Japan's done in this month, having some of those fundamental aspects of it. But Osprey, to me, wrestler of the year coming back here, also a huge highlight. All right, let's wrap up with the junk drawer. There will be some TMDK in here. I promise you that. Swerve Strickland <laughs> now to be part of the mega title match at Triple Mania's Monterey, a multi-person match there. We learned that the uh, Triple Mania event for Tijuana would be uh, the rematch between Kenny Omega and El Hio Del Vikingo for the uh, mega championship. So we got to get that rematch. Billy Corian said most heat round NWA champion Tyrus, he thought, was political. That's the reason, not that he's bad in the ring. Or anything like that. Uh, Bushwhacker Bush passed away at 78 years old. Dark Side of the Ring revealed their full list of topics for season four. Uh, Speaking of the NWA, EC3, remember him, won the national title 
at NWA 312. Sabu doing better after uh, suffering a serial, uh, serious medical emergency. Eric Bischoff detailed his recent health scare and said he almost died twice. Uh, former WWE guest host Jerry Springer passed away at 79 years old. John Morrison won his boxing debut at Creator Clash 2 against a YouTuber, I believe. Uh, all the YouTubers getting into the fighting these days. That's how that's how you make it these days, I guess. I don't, are you going to enter the fighting ring? I mean, you're a celebrity on YouTube. Are you going to do this at some point? Look, I'm not saying I'm already under contract, okay? But I'm not <laughs> saying I'm not. <laughs> exactly. I like it. I like it. Uh, Ted DiBiase Jr. charged in the uh, Mississippi welfare scandal. That had gone, of course, post-COVID. Goldberg said he was very much leaning toward a self-promoted four-city retirement tour. We have not heard anything about that yet. Uh, strange story that came out during Mania Weekend. Real one, uh, a.k.a. Enzo Amore, was released by MLW. Everybody said uh, he went on the the offensive and said he uh, would never agree to this title match that he was advertised for. He wasn't under contract and didn't really understand what the what the deal was. So that's uh, the the wrestling career of Enzo Amore uh, continues. Uh, John Moxley announced returning to a wrestling revolver show. Vicky Guerrero, her husband, issued a statement denying uh, her daughter's uh, sexual assault allegation. That was a whole weird situation there. Uh, Zach Saber Jr. TMDK uh, announced to make his GCW debut at Fight Night in Brooklyn. And then was signed to face Nick Gage at GCW. Thank me later in a very uh, odd uh, meshing of talents there, but definitely a fun one. Richard Holiday, out of MLW, was, uh, he became a free agent following his uh, successful uh, defeating of cancer. Uh, MLW Fusion returning to BN Sports and YouTube in the real situation with uh, MLW Underground. Still very confusing. No one really saying anything on either side. That was a, a whole thing. Uh, Joy Janelle had to be pulled off two GCW shows during suffering a burn on his arm. This is during a um, during a match involving fire. It was a, it's hard to describe the spot. I can still kind of see it in my head, but yeah, it was just a uh, yeah, just a, a Joey Janela thing. Put it that way. <laughs> well said. <laughs> yeah, Kurt Angle, uh, real plans to have neck fusion surgery in uh, next year, and then uh, speaking of MLW, Alexander Hammerstone out with a torn adductor injury. And didn't really have a his return date. He kind of had set out uh, months and months ahead as he recovered uh, from that. So thoughts about any of that? Sure. I mean, uh, for this being called the junk drawer, uh, that's where I would absolutely put anything to do with Tyrus. So well played by that. <laughs> uh, not his politics. He's real bad in the ring. Uh, yeah. And also, yeah, his politics a little bit, probably. Uh, that is certainly not the only reason, though. He was 50-year-old and never really great at this. So I just... Uh, it seemed like a lot of people left Billy Corgan out of the room for that one. I was one of those people. Um, seeing the AAA crossover kind of reminded me of something that I've noticed with this year, which is just that wrestling on a global level is doing some really cool things right now. You're seeing scenes entirely internationally get lifted up instead of just a marquee talent from a place um, being the representative in WWE or AEW and the interpromotional relationships being a huge part of that. So when I see things like Swerve and, and Kenny going to AAA to defend titles and things like that, um, just so cool that we're seeing AAA, CMLL, New Japan, uh, all of these international promotions having these really, really cool moments. And some of the key highlights of the year in general, I feel like have been international. WWE in Puerto Rico, which you get to talk about for a couple months down the road, all in like very, very cool to see what wrestling has become on a global level in the past year. Um, you calling out that Zack Sabre Jr. match. Man, there's not a lot of Zack Sabre Jr. matches I'm not interested in, but that one was not my favorite, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta say, but I did watch it. Um, Nick Gage did, did better on the, the true wrestling stuff that I thought, but 
Um, TMDK, my favorite stable of the year. I think Will Ospreay had the best year in wrestling, but Zack Sabre Jr. to me had my favorite year in wrestling. Loved his his title reign. So thanks for sneaking that in there. I at least get to talk a, a little bit of ZSJ here. But um, other than that, yeah, just some some kind of weirder stuff. The the Enzo stuff, if that guy's in wrestling news, he's always doing something a little odd. Uh, and that Joey Janela spot was very gruesome. But um, yeah, there's uh, there's so much that has happened Um in the past couple years of wrestling, I feel like this stuff, a lot of it would not be in the drunk drawer if we didn't have such a loaded month in other ways. Right. So, mm-hmm. so very uh, speaks, speaks to the saturation of the the scene right now and, and all of wrestling, but a couple of people that passed away in there. So uh, of course to, to their memory and stuff, but um, yeah, other than that, kind of a nice way to round out the year or the month. That's year. right. That's right. A lot more to go in the year. Yeah. That's uh that's where it used to be a case where all the stuff we talk about would be like a year, but now it's like every single month. It's crazy. Can't do it, right? It's that's just right. wild, wild, wild. <laughs> so before I let you go, give you a chance to uh plug where people can follow you. Obviously, you can follow you on Twitter at uh, Miss Kate Fabe. But uh where can people how what's the preferred way for people to to, to watch your shows, hear your shows, and and all that? The floor is yours. Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. And there's no way that this doesn't take a ton of work. So thank you for doing this series in general, because it is kind of cool to reflect on a month by month basis about what a loaded year it's been. Um, so thanks for inviting me to to be a part of it and to putting the work into this because it's a lot. It's a dense one, but you can find me at Miss Kate Fabe, as you said, on Twitter on um, Mondays, I'm on Fightful Select doing your Raw Sour Grabs post show Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday on the Fightful main channel doing NXT, ROH, and SmackDown reviews. Uh, Wednesdays at the Mark Order podcast talking all things all elite. And you can subscribe to my YouTube channel as well at Miss Fabe on there as well. Just doing kind of generalized um, overall stuff. And there's going to be some extremely silly content coming down the pike as well. So if you are like into that. some goofy stuff to break up, these very dense wrestling months. Uh, I'm going to be trying to do some of that over there. So follow me there. <laughs> and if you go to your Twitter right now, pinned at the very top, um, a lot of people do this, but you're you're looking to help uh, some people out there are less fortunate, um, put together some care packages with items that are $10 and under on Amazon. You can find that. Uh, I'm pointing to it as if people can see me doing this, but <laughs> if you go to, um, I do this all the time and use my hands. Uh, if you go to, yeah, if you go to Kate's uh, Twitter, right at the very top, uh, help for the holidays, you can see there, and she's looking for raises from now until December 8th. So plenty of time to, uh, to get in there. Yeah. If you have a couple bucks and uh, want to buy help contribute to this, that'd be greatly appreciated. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for plugging that specifically. I'm doing 10 care packages with items all consisting of $10 or less. So hopefully it won't break your bank if you are able to, to help out there but just trying to for the holiday season we've got a, a couple of shelters local that need some love so if you're able to contribute that would mean the absolute world to me there's some much bigger stuff than wrestling happening out there and trying to take care of that as well <laughs> certainly is as a thanks for doing this i will donate uh i'll buy a couple of items on that list for as a big thank thanks you. for doing that yeah le- oh, least i can do so much yeah i think you you're right there's so many people that are uh less fortunate and we sometimes kind of lose track of that so yeah help, help helping people out especially kids and things like that and grown-ups and all that stuff yeah let's uh let's help out so you can go to kate's twitter and uh and see that and if you have a couple bucks uh greatly appreciate there and with that we're done with april a month and uh again a year after you you went vegan and uh and do all that <laughs> very fitting and uh yeah it quite a uh yeah quite a quite a month but i, I greatly appreciate the time you spent here and uh that's it thanks so much kate 
Thank you. I appreciate it.